Good afternoon, Allegheny County. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, here and the Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM. I'm here today with my trusty executive director. We have John Schneider, who's the best executive director in all the Republican committees in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But he's a man of few words. I mean, if you think Calvin Coolidge or Clint Eastwood are, 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 are not big talkers, I mean, they haven't met John Schneider, okay? <laughs> but you could be count, John can be counted on to get anything that I need to have done done we're also joined today by our producer dazzling daryl grandy the man who makes all the magic happen and gets everything out you know and reaches our listeners and our audience and helps us process everything and we can't tell you how much we appreciate him so we're joined today by a couple special guests in the studio i'm so excited to have them first one is aaron coper aaron is a republican committee person here but she's also the chairwoman of the allegheny county council of republican women uh Aaron, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me back on. And, and we have a real special guest. I can't tell you how much of a treat and pleasure it is. Our next guest is nationally known, but conservative activist, Scott Pressler. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be back here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And, you know, for our listeners, anybody that's involved in Republican politics knows who Scott Pressler is. Because here's a guy, a real patriot, who's been traveling this country registering voters in, in all these swing states has been doing this you know for for a number of years and he doesn't just come in and register voters he's also been involved in cleanup efforts in many of these cities i remember seeing things you did here in pittsburgh but also baltimore and many of these other cities out there so uh, you know when folks ask me and they're saying how can you explain to me what it is that scott presser does and i tell them he's like the johnny appleseed okay of registering voters because really, that's what it's about. And, and and I would urge you to follow him, you know, on Twitter. I mean, I, I follow him, a big fan, but he's always giving updates of the progress he's been able to make. And he talks about, he did something with Pennsylvania here earlier in the week. He talked about how back in 2012, Democrats had like 1,197,000 registered Democratic, or excuse me, an edge. They had 1,197,000 more Democratic registered voters than Republicans. And how now that's down to like 467,000. So we are making some significant progress here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and it's all due to people like Scott Presser. So Scott, again, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, he really does follow me, ladies and gentlemen, because yeah, with President Obama, the Democrats had this huge voter registration advantage. And thanks to the work that Sam DeMarco has done as chairman of Allegheny County, and thanks to all of you, the grassroots across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we're focusing on voter registration. We're bringing down that advantage. And get this, there are 1.2 million voters in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that are not affiliated with a major party. So our ground game needs to be focusing on those voters going into the presidential primary of 2024, get as many people to register as Republican, and then they will be able to participate in choosing our next Republican presidential candidate. Scott, that is a great point. I mean, I think too often many of our folks lose sight of that, right? They're looking Republican versus Democrat, and they're not talking to the 1.2 million people that are in the middle there that have chosen not to be affiliated, right? And then that's something that we need to focus on. And I know John and Aaron mm -hmm. are going to take and focus on that here in Allegheny County because Absolutely. we have over 100,000 you know, voters here in Allegheny County that are unaffiliated. Well, and think about how much data that's going to help y'all mm -hmm. and how many fewer doors we're going to have to knock if we've already identified that person as a Republican or conservative voter. So it's going to be immeasurably helpful going into 2024. 
Well, I, you know, that's that's a big part of it, right? We have to register more voters, and we have to get them to register as Republicans. But I think the other part of that is, is how do we get people to come to vote in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know you've been very, very active in trying to teach uh, activists across the country on how to take and legally harvest ballots. You know, and and one of the things Pennsylvania was late to the party. Many other states out there have had voting by mail for a number of years. Pennsylvania just initiated it back in 2020. And former President Trump, you know, when he came, ran in 2020, he was against mail-in balloting because he understood some of the pitfalls or some of the things you have to watch out for, okay? Well, what that's done is it's led to Pennsylvania Republicans being slow to embrace it. And while we're not looking for the people that go to the polls every election, the four out of fours, we're not looking to get them to vote by mail. But what we're really trying to do is reach to the people that are low and mid-propensity voters, folks that only voted in one, you know, the last two generals or something like that, or, or, or registered but haven't voted, to get those folks out to go to the polls and vote. And you've been extremely busy trying to help folks learn how to do that. And I appreciate your efforts here in Pittsburgh. Well, it's a little bit of an education hurdle, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I think that our base as the Republican Party, we weren't going into 2022 prepared mentally for that all-of-the-above approach to voting. But look at what happened to Carrie Lake in the great state 48 in Arizona. We knew that our strategy was we're all going to vote on one day, right? We're going to vote on election day. So 30% of our people did vote by mail. They did early voting. That's great. But 70% waited to vote on one day. And this is factual. Fact checked me. But 30% of the machines coincidentally had errors on election Mm -hmm. day. And so therefore, thousands of Republicans were disenfranchised in Arizona ultimately because we waited to vote on one single day. And so my message is, y'all, had we done more early voting, had we done mail-in voting, I believe Carrie Lake would be governor today, Abe Homedy would be attorney general, and Blake Masters would be senator in the great state 48. But let's bring it back for a second. Let's dial in on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. We all know what happened in 2022. We had Dr. Oz versus John Fetterman. Now, get this. The day before the first and only debate between Oz and Fetterman, 500,000 Pennsylvanians had already voted. They already locked in their vote before seeing the debacle of a performance the very next night. Their vote was locked in. It was done. Now, here's the interesting thing. Four out of five of those voters were registered Democrats, meaning the Dems already locked in 400,000 votes. So if I'm an operative and I'm focusing on voters that I need, that means that I have 400,000 fewer people to reach out to and I got more time to reach out to people that haven't voted those low propensity voters and I got more money to reach out to those people versus y'all we're Republicans right so we like to vote on one single day that means that I have everyone to reach out to and I'm casting this wide net and I'm wishing and I'm hoping and I'm praying that every single person is going to vote on one day versus those Democrats with surgical precision are funneling down to the precinct the exact voters that they need to win an election and I know that people don't like to hear this and I want to speak to my election integrity people first and say look I hear you 
I understand you. I recognize and acknowledge the value of election integrity. But this is the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We currently have Governor Shapiro. We're not going to be able to provide for those layers of election integrity unless we first win elections. So let's use an all of the above approach to voting. Let's do early voting, mail-in voting, election day voting, legal and lawful ballot harvesting when, and then once we win, we can then provide for those layers of election integrity. But we can't do one without first the other. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and you are reinforcing the message that I've been trying to carry for the last few years. Okay, We may not like mail-in voting, or some of our folks might, but it's the law, right? And, and, and it's malpractice for us to give Democrats 50 days to get out their vote and relegate ourselves to 13 hours. And if I may, please, everyone at home, remember this quote. Democrats vote for weeks, sometimes months. Republicans vote for 12 hours. And please also, this is Pennsylvania. We sometimes have inclement weather on Election Day. Did you know it snowed in Nevada on Election Day, y'all? In the Republican County of Washoe, our people, for some reason, we like to live in the mountains. We're mountain folk. <laughs> and we had snow on Election Day, and Adam Laxalt in Nevada lost by 8,000 votes. And furthermore, 150,000 Nevada Republicans stayed home on Election Day. So we, in part, it's not necessarily that we have a candidate, candidate quality is the issue or the message quality is the issue, but y'all, we have a turnout problem. So again, let's use an all of the above approach to excite, motivate, and encourage every single conservative to lock in those votes. And that is how we're going to win in 2024. I would like to really quickly interject Mm -hmm. in that. Um, I personally have enjoyed mail-in ballot voting myself. You know, I work in the political world and you never know when you're gonna have time to vote. And I think we take that for granted. You know, you get stuck at a poll, you are driving around to different polls and then you're like, oh, I have to vote myself. And we're not necessarily always at the poll that is the one that's in our area working. So I encourage, you know, if you are in the political world, you know, do a mail-in ballot, secure your vote, and then go do what you do in the grassroots. And I definitely think, um, you know, we see emergencies and things happen and and we do have to target those uh, low propensity voters, you know, work smarter and not harder. It's very simple. You know, the Democrats are really good at this and we're catching up, but we just need everyone to get on board and um, really, uh, you know, try to, you know, lock in the votes and we need to get the grassroots game going our ground game before labor day going into the fall because again you just said Scott. you know they are already voting for months and we need to start door knocking you know i just went to a leadership institute uh a program uh two weeks ago and they uh solidified that if you knock on a door and you're the candidate or even if you're a surrogate for the candidate, you have a six time more likely chance of getting elected if you meet that voter. A lot of people say door knocking doesn't work, but it absolutely does. And that's how you engage with the voters. You know, we have to engage with those non-affiliated voters, those independents, and we need to um, sell them on why our candidate is the best. Well, and think about working class America for a second. Groups of voters that are probably more likely to lean conservative. 
We got our police officers, our firefighters, our first responders. We have our members of the United States military. We have truckers. We have pilots and airline flight attendants. Those people have grueling schedules where what if Pete Buttigieg cancels their flight and Sam Brinton steals their luggage and they're not able to vote on election day? Or what if they're a trucker living in South Dakota, but they're bringing a load over to California? Those are the people that we need to vote early or lock in their vote by mail because their schedules are going to be so difficult for them to vote on one single day. No, Scott, both you and Aaron hit the nail on the head there. You talked about unforeseen circumstances and things that arise. You know, weather is shown. If for every inch of rain, it depresses turn on at the polls by 1%. For every inch of snow, it depresses turn off by half a percent. Wow. Okay? And when you factor in that, and then just life gets in the way. Yeah. We're talking about people with work, right? How many people have to work late? They have to work out of town. Uh, You have people that are raising families. How many, I mean, if you have children, you know how often they get sick, okay? So how many times has something happened where my my kid's sick, I need to take them to the doctors or I need to stay home with them, that kind of deal there. And then other things, how many people you know have had automobile problems? You know, it's how well my car broke down or I need to take a bus, whatever the case may be. You can avoid all of these things. By or how many by women mail. have spouses uh, like myself here that I have to make sure I get him out the door to vote? I locked it in early. I said, we're getting you a mail-in ballot. So, you know, family members, you have uh, a family member you know that's in a nursing home mm-hmm. or in, um, you know, any type of needs assistance, get them the mail-in vote. Or you know that someone doesn't have a vehicle um, and, and instead of taking the time to drive them to vote, right? Because we all don't have time to just do that. Let's get them a mail-in ballot and call it a day you know you, you don't have to we again working smarter not harder and scott also brought up something we're talking about you know mail-in ballots here you can you can early vote in this state but you only can only do it here by going down to your county elections office but that's available so for the 50 days prior to the election anybody can go down to the county office building the county division of elections mm-hmm. on the third floor of the county office building there on forbes avenue they can request their ballot complete it and and turn it in right there. So if your concern is, well, I don't trust the mail or I don't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable. Well, Hey, you can alleviate the mail entirely by going and down and doing that. So there are a number of options here, but the one option that I don't believe should ever be an option is to not vote is to stay home. And to Scott's earlier point, Republicans, we have a turnout problem. Right. Well, and so the year is 2023. This is an off-year election. We just had midterms. We had governor. We had senator. We're going into presidential next year. Can you explain, Chairman, why it's so valuable for people to turn out this November and maybe talk about the top of the ticket, why that is so critical, and maybe some local races that we have the opportunity here in even Allegheny County to secure victories? Well, you know, a couple things that are important to understand if you're a Republican. One, you want your vote to count. You want your voice to be heard, okay? It can only count if you go and vote, okay? I mean, that's the most important thing, number one. You know, number two, what's happened is the way mail-in voting was set up here. If you vote by mail this year, automatically in January next year, the county will send you a new application asking you to vote by mail then. Now, the county's paying for that, not the party. So what's happening is Democrats have embraced mail-in balloting, and now you, the taxpayer, or paying them to get out their vote, you know, and you're not participating in this as well. <clears throat> you know, things like right now, this year, 
2023. We have a county executive race that's taking place. Now, the county executive of Allegheny County is typically thought of as the third most powerful position in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Mm. You know, we're a county of 1.2 million people. We have a $3.015 billion budget. You know, I mean, there's there's 6,600 full-time employees. I mean, this is a big job here. But what's so important is this: the county executive also oversees elections. You know, so these people that are concerned about voter integrity, if they allow, you know, uh, Sarah Ann Murado, who was uh, selected as the Democratic nominee for county executive, to be the next county executive here, uh, you'll have drop boxes all over this county, and you'll have no control over it whatsoever. Okay, so it's extremely important that we do this and we get our Republicans to the polls because next year we have some big races. We have we're going to have at least one U.S. Senate race, and that's the race for Bob Casey's seat. Okay, but we could have another one. I mean, you don't have to. You can just check the internet, watch the news, and see what a disgrace John Fetterman is down there in Washington. He can't string together a coherent sentence. And while I feel sorry for him, as anyone would, any human that's suffering from a health issue, it's clear he's not up to that job. Okay, so you know I don't know how long he's going to last, but that his seat could potentially be on the ballot next year, as well as all of our congressional. Uh, a number of our state Senate and all of our state House seats. So it's extremely critical that uh, that we do things this year to prepare for next year because, again, we cannot sit back and allow this turnout problem to continue to exist, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's just it's unacceptable because what you see with the failed progressive policies that are permeating throughout these United States, it's, it, it's, it's, it's leaving cities— you know, like L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, St. Louis, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York City in chaos. You know, in Allegheny County last on Tuesday night, a George Soros-funded candidate defeated a 23-year incumbent for district attorney. Now, fortunately, that district attorney, our district attorney, Steve Zapala, you know, has won on the Republican side in the writing vote and will be on the ballot in November. So voters will have a choice. You know, I hate to use the terms good and evil, but in fact, you'll have somebody that will prosecute crime versus someone who won't. And, and is this the city, is this the type of government you want to live under? They say we get the government we deserve, okay? And I, I know that that's harsh, but folks, if you don't come out and vote, if you don't make your voice heard, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, and let's make this even more relatable to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So this year is 2023, and we have an opportunity to actually flip a state Supreme Court seat. Mm -hmm. So the current makeup is four to two. One member of the Supreme Court unfortunately passed away, but it was five Democrats to two Republicans. Now we have the opportunity with Carluccio, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She was just our nominee as... As of yesterday, if we win the seat, it will be a narrow Democratic majority of four to three. And this is why it's so important. Let's look at North Carolina for a second. In 2018, the voters of North Carolina voted for voter ID law. Now, 
It was a Democratic Supreme Court. I believe it was four to three at the time. The Democrats actually in the Supreme Court negated and nullified the democratically elected voter ID law. And so in 2022, because we were smart and because we got our voters out and we set our sights on statewide elections, we flipped that democratically controlled four to three state Supreme Court from four to three Democrats to five to two Republican. And just recently, within the last couple weeks, that voter ID law was just reinstated. So these state Supreme Court seats can have national implications because now it's going to go into redistricting. It's going to affect voter ID laws. And yes, it will have an impact in the swing state of North Carolina and the presidential election next year. So y'all here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania have an opportunity to flip a state Supreme Court seat. Let's narrow that majority because I hear one of those Supreme Court justices is kind of a swing voter and let's see what we're able to do but it's going to be easier if we narrow that majority and aaron to scott's point they're talking about the supreme court when we go back to the people that are out there complaining on our side the republicans who are concerned about what happened in 2020 okay you can't lose sight of the fact that it was the pennsylvania supreme court a democrat supreme court that invented drop boxes they weren't in the law in act 77 Right. It was a Democrat Supreme Court that invented this three-day extension mm-hmm. that wasn't in the law. They just arbitrarily made it up, okay? Right. Uh, you know, they created satellite voting offices. That wasn't in the law, right? right? So here we have an opportunity to try to take and chip back right. at that Democratic majority. You know, and if you want a Supreme Court here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that doesn't legislate from the bench— then you got to get out this year for Carolyn Carluccio, Absolutely. president and judge from Montgomery County. We can't sit. We can't sit this one out, uh, or should we ever? But most importantly, now to your point, and again, like I said, I come from the grassroots side. You know, Scott Pressler was my mentor and still an inspiration. On and here I am today, trying to do what he does here in Allegheny County, but I need all of your help. I mean, I worked for the GOP this past midterm election and I cold called uh, people off lists that Harrisburg gave me, but also lists that we had too. And so many people, you know, I hate to say it, but did, I had an excuse, you know, and I know not everybody can do all of the heavy walking and, you know, but there is something, phone calls, reaching out um, to your Democrat neighbors, your independent neighbors. We have to get creative and we have to all play our part. If you're not in a committee, please think about joining a committee because we need to have small coalitions around here and get more organized with how we are going to strategize our ground game here and really target areas to um, secure those votes uh, well before the mail-in ballots even go out. We need to start working right now all through the summer. And then when Labor Day comes, we are well ahead of where we were this past midterm election. Well, Aaron, how can... Any women, especially who are listening to the program right now, how can they join your Republican Women's Council? And then, Sam, afterwards, how can anybody watching who wants to join the Allegheny County Republican Party join you? Well, we do have a website, uh, accrwomen.com. And then you can always reach me at email at accrwomen.com 
at gmail.com. We have meetings bi-monthly. We have a month in between of action. I actually have a really exciting event coming up in June. We're having a library event. Um, We are having a conservative story hour and we are inviting conservative women to bring their kids to be read a really nice patriotic story, do a craft, make a Father's Day card. And then while they're um, bringing, you know, have their kids have an activity, we're gonna have a meeting and we want moms to meet each other in this county, friend each other, talk to each other and we want the kids to be involved too because that's the way I was raised my dad was in politics I would go walk across the street to the city municipality building where he worked and sit the mayor's office I mean that's how I grew up and look where I'm at today it always stayed with me and I believe that the kids need to get involved young as well so that's just an example of an actionable thing that we're doing to bring women into being involved maybe get them to run for a school board maybe a commissioner race maybe a council race but we have to start by making that first step to invite them to something Well, Aaron, thank you for sharing that. It's very important that we get people to get them involved. If you want to get involved with the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, you have a couple different options. You can go to our website, which is www.allegheny.gop. Real simple, www.allegheny.gop. You have the ability to take and sign up there for our newsletter. You have the ability to leave a comment, and and, and I get many of them asking to volunteer. Uh, You have the ability to donate. So there's a lot of ways you can get involved. And you can also get involved, as Aaron was sharing, by joining a committee. But it's look, it's, it's important. All of us, we, like, again, I talk about life getting in the way. But we're all doing something different. We're raising our families. We're trying to work for a living. We're going to school, whatever it may be. But we can all do something, okay? And if all of us would just contribute a little bit, even if it was an hour a day, you know, or an hour a week, okay, it can make a difference when it adds up. You know, again, Failing to show up is not an option. Failing to not get involved should not be an option because at the end of the day, you know, we're here for a certain period of time and this country and this commonwealth and county that we leave to the next generation, we want to leave it to them better than we found it, okay? And we're not going to be able to do that if you don't get out, get involved, and vote. Folks, we're going to have to take a break here to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be right back on The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Welcome back to the Elephant in the Room, folks. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. Again, I'm joined in the studio today by conservative activist Scott Presser and Aaron Coper. And Scott, you know, if, if, how, I, and here I am struggling for words, right? Because I'm so impressed to have you here and I'm really appreciative of all the efforts you do, just not just nationwide, but how you've come here multiple times to help us in Allegheny County. If someone wanted to follow you, if someone wanted to get involved in the pack that you work with or your work, how would they go about contacting you sure well i'm on just about every social media platform known to humanity my (laughs) top ones are definitely twitter true social facebook but my twitter direct messages are open so if you want to get involved please message me at scott pressler s-c-o-t-t-p-r-e-s-1-s-l-e-r and our website is also earlyvoteaction.com and again i'm focused on five states arizona nevada north carolina wisconsin and pennsylvania we win those five y'all we win the presidency in 2024 and so my goal is to build early voting and mail-in voting infrastructures in those five states and i'm here in allegheny county because 
You have the West versus the East. We have Allegheny, we have Philadelphia, and then we have some of the troubled children of Erie and Center County and uh, Lackawanna. But y'all, it's my contention looking at the voter registration numbers that you give this five years, I believe Southwest Pennsylvania is going to be Republican red. I've been watching the numbers. Westmoreland, Beaver, Butler, we are only 1,000 voter registrations away from flipping Beaver County from majority Democrat to majority Republican. And just to give you an example of how powerful this is, Beaver County is a Trump country, voted for Donald Trump. But in this 2022 cycle, it voted at the same time as it voted for Dr. Oz for Governor Shapiro. So this is one of those independent swing counties that if we put a little bit of sweat equity and elbow grease into southwest pennsylvania will be the reason why pennsylvania will be voting for a republican president in 2024 and you know what we when donald trump won pennsylvania back in 2016 it was the first time since 1988 when george hw bush had carried the state that a republican won and i can't we can't go that long again you know without winning uh without winning the presidency here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now, Scott, I know that because I had the opportunity to get to meet you before, your parents, your father, is a retired Navy captain, correct? Yes. No. Yeah, my dad is a retired Navy captain, and his dad, my grandfather, was also a retired Navy captain. So I always joke, I don't know what happened to me, but, <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I think you're a patriot yes. in your own right. Serving and, in a very and, different capacity. Yeah, but, 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 but hey, you're, listen, you're doing God's work here and trying to take and provide for a better future for the people of this uh, country in Commonwealth and in Allegheny County. Now, um, how do you get involved? I think our listeners, I mean, they're, you know, they've gotten to know you, but how do you get involved in this? What started you to get involved in this movement? I actually want to thank President Obama. No, I'm serious, because I was irate at his re-election in 2012, but I was actually more irate at myself. And as opposed to how other people kind of point their finger at the world, blaming their problems on everyone else, I pointed the finger back at myself and I said, wait a second, Scott, where were you registering voters? Where were you knocking on doors? Where were you getting out the vote? I was only a voter, meaning that I wasn't helping galvanize other people to affect elections. And so in 2013, that January, I walked into my Republican office and I said, put me to work. I'm here to volunteer. I want to do something. And in 2014, at the time I was working at an elementary school, I told myself, Scott, you're going to get a job in politics. And I applied to races all over the country. Within three days of applying for a job, I get a call back from Texas and they tell me, move to Texas in two weeks. I did. And I didn't know a soul in Texas. I didn't know anybody in the Houston area. And I worked at the time for Attorney General Greg Abbott, who is now the governor of the great state of Texas. But my willingness to participate, my willingness to say I will forever changed my life. And yes, it was all thanks to President Obama. <laughs> well, at least there's one thing we can thank him for, right? Right. You know, it, we, we certainly can't thank him for refusing to tell the truth when it came to the uh, investigation into President Trump <laughs> and Crossfire Hurricane, now that we know with the Durham report, you know, that he was briefed on it by, uh, by, by Brennan, uh, along with current President Biden. They knew from the very beginning that this was all something by Hillary Clinton. 
you know, designed to smear former President Trump. And, and, and I think, you know, folks, Donald Trump is a polarizing figure. There are many on the right that love him. There are many on the left that hate him, okay? But I think anyone that's fair-minded and reasonable can see, you know, what was done to thwart, you know, his presidency and his opportunity to take and govern this country. And I think when you look at this, prior to the COVID pandemic, we had probably the best economy. You know, I'm 64 years old that I've seen in my lifetime. We have the lowest unemployment rate among blacks, lowest unemployment rate among Hispanics. The female unemployment rate was the lowest it had been in 66 years, right? I mean, things were just humming along until the COVID hit. They, so the guy never got a fair, a fair shot, you know? And, and so uh, it's frustrating. I hate to bring, you know, Obama into that, but it's just something that's topical here this week. You know, as the Durham report was released and uh, this all came to, came, came to fruition. So, listen. Well, I would just bring it back to policy, y'all. There, there was peace in the Middle East. There were no new wars. Mm-hmm. We weren't at war with Russia. Putin wasn't invading the Ukraine under President Trump. We had strength. And then we changed administrations, and then Putin invades immediately. And look at our, our border right now. You know, to anybody that stands against sexual assaults, why don't we want to secure the border and protect women and protect children? Why don't we want to stop fentanyl, Chinese-made fentanyl, from coming into our country, which is killing 300 Americans a day? If we value life, if we want to protect life, then why are we not securing the border? And, and why are we allowing MS-13 and dangerous criminal illegal alien gangs to come into our country? If y'all at home want to stop gun violence? Why do we want an open border that is allowing a free flow of guns both in and out of the country? If you're against gun violence and sexual assaults and you want to put every black, white, and brown American citizen first, to me, it would be a no-brainer that we would want to secure the border. And why, for example, do we want to have uh, prices that are higher here in the United States of America, corporate taxes, that are then going to allow for our companies to go to China and other countries that have a lower corporate tax. Focus on the policies and how what President Trump did and what other conservatives are going to bring to the table are actually more valuable and will be more helpful to our country than the feckless and reckless Joe Biden agenda. And Scott, real quick, I our conversation yesterday uh, when we were talking about our DA race, so, you know, bringing it back home, right? What did we talk about with the, you know, if Democrats really care about gun control, if they really care about gun violence, but you, you're going to elect, and they did. This was like before we actually knew that they were going to elect him, but they did actually elect a DA who's going to be soft on crime. We're going to have criminals who are going to go to jail and get out within 24 hours, and we see what that's happening in other cities across the country we're watching it on the news well guess what we're going to be watching it in our backyard and you know if they are so concerned with the gun violence but you're going to put criminals back it doesn't make sense it's almost a conflicting viewpoint and we have to be able to explain that better and really message better to these democrats well we have a huge problem because as republicans we focus on data so we focus on you know we want to take sure our eyes are dotted our t's are crossed our numbers are correct okay Democrats focus on emotion, and unfortunately, emotion works. You know, it gets people up off the couch and gets them out to vote. It gets them animated. But you're absolutely right. Democrats, when we every time we have a tragedy, something occurs with a gun is involved. 
They want to take guns away from the law-abiding citizens, right? Well, at the same time, these same people want to let the people that are committing crimes out of jail. It, it, it makes no sense, okay? Like most of their policies. Right. Well, listen, folks, this has been tremendous. Uh, Scott, I know that you have to go. But we'll be right back in a minute here. But Scott, Scott Presser, thank you so much for coming here to Allegheny County. Thank you for all of your help and the work that you're doing. And uh, we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. And I just want to say Chairman Sam DeMarco has been listening to the grassroots, working with the grassroots. And I implore anybody at home that has a willingness to do something, please join the Republican Committee of Allegheny County. Please join Aaron Coper's Republican Women's Council. But regardless, get involved here in Southwest Pennsylvania. Let's work together as a team to make sure that Joe Biden is a one-term president. It's been an honor being here with y'all. Folks, can't tell how happy I was to have Scott Pressler in the room here. He had to leave because he had another media engagement, but we do appreciate it coming by the studio to talk to you folks out here in uh, in the listening area and to hear from him directly. I mean, Scott is a well-known national figure, and we're very lucky to have him. Aaron, thank you very much for bringing Scott by. You're welcome. And again, like he inspired me, and uh, sometimes it's surreal when I'm with him because uh, to see how far – you know, I've come on the journey and it's because of him. The very first time I met him was in 2020. I went to a voter registration drive. I didn't register a single voter and neither did he actually. But let me tell you, uh, I came home and my husband said, there's something different about you. And I'll never forget him saying that. He said, you're walking taller. And it's because there was a fire that was lit inside me. There was something really inspirational about his energy. And I believe, like you said, Sam, he is doing God's work. He's genuine. Um, He is motivational, inspirational. And if there's anyone that can get uh, Southwestern PA back on track, it is him coming here to help us and train us. But we can't just rely on that alone. We have to be able to pick up the heavy lifting and continue his work. No, ab- absolutely. And, and we certainly we certainly have a lot of work to do here in Allegheny County. I mean, folks, if you live here in Allegheny County, I don't know how aware you are, but the voter registration here in the county is more than two to one Democrat to Republican. There are about 525,000 registered Democrats here and about 255 to 260,000 registered Republicans at this point in time. You know, now the fastest growing segment out there is the independents, the unaffiliated voters who have over 100,000 unaffiliated voters here in Allegheny County. But the results of Tuesday's election, if you care about the future of this county, should concern us all. Yeah, and and I want to say, even the breakdown of numbers, and I can't remember the specifics, however, I do know uh, that our young voters, especially on the Democrat side, are surpassing the older Democrat voters. So they're coming out and it's showing on election night because those candidates, um, the flashy ones like Sarah and Amarado, she ran a new what they say, quote unquote, modern campaign style. She's on social media, TikTok, and she's getting those voters. However, when you look at the number of the older Democrat voters, they're inching up. And when those Democrat voters are no, are no longer there, it's a takeover. We're having a generational shift here. Well, we saw, John, I saw on KDKA, they put a graphic up and they showed that you know, approximately 141,000 vote, registered voters in Allegheny County the ages of 65 yes, and above. Yes, we had that. Mm-hmm. And there was about 140,000 registered voters in the age group. I think it might have been 24 
and below. Yes, okay? 18 to, I think it was 18 to 24. 18 to 24, yeah. okay. <clears throat> so, you know, that's the first time it's been that match. But I think, look, I, one of the things I talked about emotion earlier, it's difficult to compete with, okay? Uh, many of the young folks, right, who supported the Democrat nominee uh, were out there because it, it, the adrenaline's flowing. It's fun. Right. There's energy, okay? But what isn't, it, well, excuse me, what is lacking, though, is policy. Exactly. Okay? I mean, she has gone out and uh, basically ran a campaign of platitudes. I mean, look, these, these are serious issues, you know? And I believe Pittsburghers, they vote with common sense. I believe that Pittsburghers look at things in a fiscal view. You know, they want someone to manage the county. I mean, this is the largest county in the or second largest county in the state. Second largest. Yep. And uh, but still, you know, uh, we want experience. You know, Joe Rocky. He is a businessman. He's a born and raised Pittsburgher. You know, he. Uh, I would trust him with this position. Honestly, if I didn't know, if I, I'm trying to take myself out of this, and if I was a person that's a low and propensity voter and I'm just looking, uh, take the R and the D away from it and just look at where they stand on issues. If you look at Sarah's website, there's nothing about the economy. There's nothing about bringing jobs back. There's nothing about crime. And, and that's disturbing. And I, you know, I really think that Joe Rocky is the, a moderate that will bring independence and the moderate Democrats out. But we have a lot of work to do. Well, when you talk to Joe, he'll tell you, he says, if you want to know where I stand, it's right down the middle. Okay. And if you're looking to who he hopes to appeal to, you know, in the upcoming general election, it's the folks in the center. You know, there's 20%, I think, extremists on both sides. Folks that are either far left or far right, okay? And those are going to be difficult to reach, you know, and you can't spend your time, you're trying to focus on them. You need to focus on the folks in the center. You know, people who care about crime because they care about safe neighborhoods for to raise their families and send their kids to school in. Look, you know, I live in the city of Pittsburgh, sorry, mm -hmm. and I, I want to say I've, owned my house now for seven years. I've put a lot of work into it, raised the value of my house, which is raising the value of my neighborhood. And the crime is inching up. I mean, I'm going to tell you on my way down to an interview I had at KDK on Monday, I had a situation where I did have to call the police uh, because there was a woman who was badly on drugs and she came knocking on my front door for money. And the police have had an issue with her and she's walking through the streets of our neighborhood. And then we had a, a shooting two blocks down on my street three weeks ago. And uh, it's inching up and it's in our backyard and I can honestly say I've experienced it. So for me, this election is so important and we really need to reach out to the voters that are in the middle that will hopefully put Joe Rocky across that finish line. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you talked earlier, you talked about her, her website lacking information regarding the economy. And we just had a recent report that I think affected everyone. They talked about Allegheny County having lost 50,000 jobs. Okay. Uh, well, where are those jobs going to come from and who's going to be able to bring them back? Right. Somebody that has basically zero private sector experience or somebody who, you know, was a, uh, in, sat in the C-suite of one of the largest financial services companies in the country and one of the largest employers here. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. It's just common sense. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I, I really want to, I hope that Pittsburghers uh, turn out in the fall and for Joe Rocky. Well, folks, I think, look, anybody, 
anybody that cares about the future of this county and doesn't want to see it turn into what's happening in the city, you under the failed mayorship of Ed Ganey, you know, needs to pay attention here and come out and, you know, either vote for Joe Rocky, support Joe Rocky, volunteer for Joe Rocky, or donate to Joe Rocky. But again, if you care about your future, you'll have one last chance, you know, to, to, to make a difference and to save this county. And that's going to come this November in the general election. I agree. And also, you know, this the DA race with Zapala and Dugan, you know, it's concerning that we elected as Pittsburghers a man who is going to be soft on crime. He's getting money from a George Soros funded organization called Color of Change of Color, Color of Change, which has uh, donated to Alvin Bragg and the Philadelphia DA. And we're seeing what's happening in those cities. And I don't believe that Pittsburgh voters would vote for someone who would be soft on crime. And, you know, we want more police officers also to to apply to be a, a police officer in our city. And I believe from what I've heard that our numbers are low with new recruits for our police. So that combination is dangerous. Well, the police right now, uh, the police are understaffed by over 10%. You know, it's budgeted for 900 full-time positions in the city, but right now they only have 810. Okay, so they're down 90. And, and then if you take the folks that are on workman's comp or things like that because they've been injured and things on the job, now you're down to about 550 on the street. Wow. Okay? And, and, and this is one of the things I think that's also is, is, is hurting us from a crime perspective. You know, I saw studies that showed that a 10% increase in police staffing would result in a 13% decrease in violent crime and a 7% decrease in property crime, right? But we're going in the wrong direction. And, and they only have like three or four recruits in the 2023 yes, class. I know. And then we have, okay. I believe it was 140 in retirement. <laughs> yes. Because, so we're going to be in, in, in significant uh, danger here, I believe. Okay. As these police continue to retire, the city's under Ed Ganey is not making any real demonstrative efforts to replace them. And then you're talking about putting in a DA who doesn't want to prosecute crime. I mean, folks, this is going to turn into the wild, wild west. Exactly. Can't have that. No. And you know, it, the, and this is the other part, we try to talk about money is, uh, you know, you hear Democrats all the time cry about dark money and my gosh, that's what we saw this past Tuesday. Yes. You know, here in Allegheny County, you had the district attorney candidate who only raised $76,000 in change of his own received over 734,000. I don't know what the final numbers are going to be, probably closer to a million, but from George Soros's funded PAC. And, and George is the only con yeah. contributor right. to that PAC. Right, and let's talk about how the, this money, you know, because I was on a panel last night with Democrats and they were also concerned about it because how is this outside money affecting our region? They, they are not tied to our region at all. And yet this money that's coming in is pushing these candidates uh, over the finish line and we are bearing the consequences of that. Oh yeah, and it, it's uh, it's just going to get worse. And you know, we talk about dark money there in the county executive race. I mean, Sarah Inamorato had got at least $250,000 from a group working families party out of New York. I mean, what are they taking and doing spending that kind of money here, right? right. You have the SEIU, I, I, between the SEIU and SEIU Healthcare, I think gave her at least a comparable amount. I mean, again, we'll have to wait for the final numbers right. to come out in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the campaign reports due 30 days post-primary. <clears throat> but this is... Again, these people aren't from Allegheny County. 
Right. But yet they're having an undue influence. So you know, for the Democrats that whine and cry all the time about special interests, you know, I think they need to, you know, look in their own house here. Right. Because, because this is having an effect here. And again, uh, one of the frustrating things about primaries is they're always low turnout. Okay. So, you know, when you look at this, 30% turnout. Okay. And that includes Republicans, right? That's the registered voters. And then she won with only 37% of the vote meaning 63% of registered Democrats that voted, voted for someone other than Sarah Inamorato, okay? But yet she's the nominee. Right. So folks are letting a small subset of a subset determine who their county executive is going to be. And I can tell you, I, um, I was sitting talking to a former county executive who was telling me, he said, look, he said he was concerned about what was going to happen if this region ever got a bad one. And he said, look, with Jim Roddy as the first county executive, Dan Otto Rose the second, and Rich Fitzgerald as the third, you had three guys who were competent, qualified, and who governed from the center. You know, pragmatic, pragmatist, focused on trying to, you know, put the county on solid financial footing and to create jobs. And, uh, you know, what's going to happen if they get a bad one? And, I, you know, Sarah Inamorato is a very nice young lady, but always very pleasant to deal with and, you know, when I've spoken to her. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I've been told by folks that when they brought her into the county to talk about, you know, uh, the role of county executive, she was like a deer, you know, in, right. in the headlights, okay? Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, no private sector experience, really. Right. Okay, and again, we're a, we're a bureaucracy with almost 7,000 employees you know, and uh, three over $3 billion in revenues. <clears throat> and you hear her out talking on the campaign trail. Well, we're going to invest. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, the frustrating thing for me is I'm always looking for the details. <laughs> what, where are you getting the money to invest in? Mm-hmm. Okay, where that, where's that going to come from? Because you can't just take money. You know, when we talk about a $3 billion budget, it's important for folks to understand that Allegheny County's operating budget is only just over a billion. So almost $2 billion of that money that comes through is more pass-throughs from either the state or the federal government and is like allocated to specific things in specific, specific areas. So you can't just take it and say, hey, you know what? I'll take $100 million from here, and I'll spend it there. I mean, we have some significant problems here. you got problems with homelessness. you got problems with mental illness. you got problems with drug addiction. You know, so you, you can't take the money from human services. Right. And then if you take money from actual county services, then what else is going to suffer? Is it going to be our roads, our bridges? Right. You know, I mean, so we have a lot of problems here. And I just don't believe I've seen, and this was from any of the Democratic candidates, any solutions. Right. I mean, we hire people for these jobs. We That's why we elect them. We're, we, they work for us. So it just comes down to their resume and their experience. I mean, you look at her in Harrisburg and she, what bills has she passed? None. I mean, here's, right. And here's the thing is that if I was a Democrat, you know, and you know that's her base, and they elected her in that position. I would be questioning and saying, okay, well, if you're not effective in Harrisburg and you haven't done what you said you were going to do from your past campaign trail, how can I expect you to come and run an entire county in the second largest one in the state of Pennsylvania, for that matter? So, I mean, that's logical, and I'm hoping that people use logic and common sense. Well, let's cross our fingers here, okay? Uh, you know, folks, as I've told you many times in the past, this hour that we have goes by oh so fast. Aaron, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I want to thank you for bringing Scott Presser in. Of course. John, I want to thank you for all of your 
comments today. You're welcome, Sam. We love John. There he goes. I mean, (laughs) folks, have you heard the story? They always called Calvin Coolidge a man of few words, okay? And he was at a dinner party at the the White House, and a woman went up to him and said, you know, uh, Mr. President, someone once bet me that I couldn't get you to say three words. What do you have to say to that? And he said, you lose. (laughs) And that was it, okay? That's our man, John Schneider. Daryl, thank you so much for your help today. Folks, until next week, this is Sam DeMarco, the elephant in the room on 1320 AM WJAS.